0: how's it going everyone it is time for the final edition of strictly business with eric bischoff presented to you exclusively by podcast eat and the ad free shows network i'm john alba joined as i am every single week by mr eric bischoff himself eric we are in the aftermath of the christmas season already we are knocking on the door of 2023 my goodness this year has flown by how are you my friend holiday stream you well um, well, yeah, really well, you know,
1: being in Florida, um, Now, in, in all fairness, we're recording this before I get to Florida for the holiday season, but Mrs. B's already there. I got all the pictures of Mrs. B and Waylon, and I'm already, you know, dying. Can't wait to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving in a day or so, but uh, so far the holiday season leading up to it has been really, really great. And I'm sure even though we're doing this before Christmas, I had a wonderful one.
0: <laughs> I love to hear that. It's always great, especially in wrestling, where you just you miss so much of those valuable holiday moments when you're on the road over the years. You finally get a chance to take that in and, and really relish it and enjoy it. I'm sure for someone like you, that time is valuable. Uh, last week, we talked with Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. And the week prior, Mike Johnson and Dave Shear kind of wrapping up our little wrestle media talk. Is there anything you'd like to bow tie it with that maybe you learned from the experience?
1: Oh, I learned a lot, you know. Um, I, I enjoyed talking to Dave Shear and Mike Johnson because I've I've been familiar with both of them for such a long time. And and I've had my own interactions with them over the over the course of the last 20-some odd years. And that but it was fun, and I really you know, I never had a conversation with Dave Shearer before. I only knew him as the, the editor of you know um, PW Insider and 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 prior to that with one wrestling.com. But I never sat down and just had a conversation with him and I really, really enjoyed it. Mike, Mike Johnson and I have spoken, you know, any number of times. And uh, I had a pretty good feel for Mike. I knew he was a great guy, but Dave, I was really impressed with. Sean Ross, doesn't. He just doesn't um, fail to impress me. He's he's a he's a very unique cat. He approaches the business differently. I love what he's done for Fightful, and I loved hearing what some of his plans were to to grow his business. So it was a it was all educational for me. Man. I'm really
0: glad we had those conversations because I know on your main podcast, 83 Weeks, that over the years you really have been very strong and firm in your stance on wrestling news and what that may be and how it's presented. So I thought those two episodes gave some really great insight and perspective on what wrestling news can be and how it can be covered and perhaps even how it should be covered.
1: And and more importantly, how it has the potential, the coverage of people like Sean Ross Sapp and PW Insider and Mike Johnson, Dave Shearer, can actually be good for the business as Mm -hmm. opposed to being bad for the business. And that makes me excited because for so long the the peripheral news and and so many wrestling websites uh, were so – negative and and everybody, you know, can't wait to see who the next person is to fall from grace so they can create clickbait headlines with it and have fun with it. Um, but I think the, the integrity that both Sean Ross Sapp and the team over at PW Insider have lends itself to helping the business and making it more, I don't want to say making it more legitimate. It's a legitimate business, but treating it more like mainstream entertainment, as opposed to a bunch of goofs sitting around in the basement, you know, writing and chatting about things they don't really understand just to get clickbait. So I, I I love what
0: they're doing. Something can never be too credible. And I think that's good for the industry as a whole. And it's a good tie-in for our final topic of 2022, because we are going to talk about Eric Bischoff's top five most newsworthy wrestling industry stories of 2022 and man Eric I don't know how you feel about it cuz your perspective is different as you were on the other side of it but I think on the surface level this was one of the most newsworthy years in all my near 25 plus years as a wrestling fan uh how how you feel about it in that regard
1: I oh, I think you're right <clears throat> so much happened and not only so much happened but the impact of of some of the news and some of the big news stories we've seen, you know, the magnitude of the stories I've never seen anything quite so big in such a short period of time. We're not talking about, you know, guys just jumping ship, you know, once in a while or, 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 or news that doesn't really impact the wrestling business. These, the the news this year dramatically affected the wrestling business, obviously this year, but I think some of these, top five lists, some of this top five list is going to impact the industry for the next five to seven years, if not longer. So it's it's
0: been a busy year. I would agree with that entirely. So before I tee you up on our number five, in your mind, what qualifies these particular items to be newsworthy to the degree that we are decreeing them to be? What do they have to have in terms of impact to make that top five?
1: I think it has to be non-subjective business-driven impact, meaning, you know, in any one of these stories that we're going to cover, these headlines that we'll cover and talk about, each one of them, in my opinion, significantly impacts and potentially even more than significantly, perhaps profoundly, in some cases, change the business of the wrestling business, and that's what we're all—that's what we're here about. You know, we're talking about the business of the wrestling business, not the most, you know, f- amazing, for the, the the best finish of the year or the highest drawing, you know, pay per view of the year. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about headlines that profoundly or significantly impact the business of the wrestling business.
0: Again, guys, if you want to hear about the business of the wrestling business, you head over to 83weeks.com. You subscribe there. Not only will you get 83 Weeks, but you will also, of course, get Strictly Business every single Thursday. You can subscribe on YouTube to the 83 Weeks YouTube channel and on adfreeshows.com for early access. Now, outside of the top five that we're going to get into, Eric, were there any honorable mentions that might have just missed your list? Hmm, you know, I think Steve Austin agreeing
1: to step back into the ring for WrestleMania. Of course, it hasn't happened yet, and we haven't heard a lot about it yet, because there's, you and I touched on this, or you touched on this a week or so ago, but there's been so much going on in the news that even something as significant as Steve Austin jumping back into the ring um, kind of got it's
0: insane. it's insane the dude wrestled his first match in almost 20 years and we're like yeah i don't know if that's like a top five story this year that's well
1: insane. it's it it is it's it i mean it's an honorable mention because look it's a big news story yeah and but it doesn't really affect the business of the right. wrestling business does it this kind of thing has happened before which is why you know as big of a, a news story as it is and exciting as it is You know, for fans of Steve Austin, and certainly for me, um, it's not really going to affect the business of the wrestling business. So, therefore, an honorable mention to Stone Cold Steve Austin agreeing to step back into the ring one more time. And I think along those same lines, John, I think Ric Flair, you know, having his final match, um, supposedly, uh, (laughs) but regardless of that, you know, the amount of revenue that that independent show produced
0: second biggest ever second biggest
1: indie show ever that's significant that is business of the wrestling business um and it is significant i think it's probably uh even more noteworthy than steve austin you know getting back into the ring again because i think you know rick flair proved conrad thompson proved and the entire team over at starcast proved that you can make You can make some pretty significant money in the indie scene if you know what you're doing. And clearly the team at StarCast knows what they're doing. And Ric Flair is still Ric Flair. Flair. And people couldn't wait to see
0: that. I think an event like that rewrote the playbook on what a major indie event can be when you have all this collaboration between these different organizations and creating a super show of sorts. So we'll see in the years to come what kind of impact that could have. Because maybe... In 2024, Eric, we're looking back at this and we're like, man, that Ric Flair's last match show was one of the most important shows that ever happened in wrestling. Yeah,
1: because it changed the independent scene. Uh,
0: So it very well could. So I agree with you. Two great honorable mentions, no doubt about that. Just so many insane things happened this year in pro wrestling. Hey, guys, Eric Bischoff here, and
1: just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 Weeks for quite a while now about all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. We get a peek behind the curtain on an all-new edition of The
0: Insiders as Conrad sits down with former WWE writer and current Impact producer Jimmy Jacobs. You start to realize that you're one weird interaction with events away from being in the doghouse or being fired. Wow. And then you just start to behave in a way to try to not get fired. And then your ideas become ideas in an effort to not get fired. And pretty soon you have a whole bunch of people that are playing to not lose. Want to pick the brain of the pod, father We just celebrated episode 50 of Ask Conrad, our Q&A mailbag series, where Conrad answers your questions.
2: So to me, Solo kind of has the Arn Anderson syndrome right now. Where Arn was as good of a wrestler as anybody on the card, because he's standing next to rick flair he's just not going to get that opportunity and even if he did i think fans would say oh yeah i love Arn. why isn't rick here Uh, and it feels a little bit like shake and bake in the old talladega knights and i understand the will ferrell character was winning all the time but what if the other fellow won what if mr john c Riley won and i think that's kind of the solo circumstance
1: If you're looking for interactive experiences, Ad Free Shows members can now take part in the live tapings of the podcast and are now part of the show. Eric Jones, Josh Henney, Nathan, Mitchell, Coach Rosie, RJ. Amy's here. She came to the Testicle Festival. That's awesome. We get like one or two women, you know, every once in a while, and I just love it when we do. Um, Thank you all for doing this with us. This is kind of fun. Amy Vaughn's here. Amy? This is fun. I this. This is a different kind of energy. I don't know
2: why. Uh, yeah, you're, you're performing for a crowd now. It's not just me. Right? That's it. just a small
1: taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four
2: levels to choose from,
1: see for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at AdFreeShows.com.
0: And I think it's time to get into the top five most industry newsworthy stories, according to Eric Bischoff. So, without further ado, Eric, what is your number five?
1: Drum roll, please. Oh, I love a good drum roll. It just builds anticipation, right? It gets you all excited. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? I think it has to be Sasha Banks and Naomi uh, leaving WWE. And, and deciding that they're going to make their fortune elsewhere. That's a big move. And these are two top performers that were making significant money. Significant. I don't know how much, but I know where they were positioned, you know, on the roster and within the shows. And I have a general sense of what people at that level are, are being paid to, be, to make the decision and I'm sure it wasn't spontaneous, but the way it was revealed and, and, and manifest felt like it was, but just to go to an arena, show up ready to work. And during the course of the day, something happens and you just say to yourself, Nope, not doing it. I'm going to walk away from it all. That takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of self-confidence and I'm, Always going to be curious what that flashpoint was.
0: Again, this was May 16th, just ahead of the start of Monday Night Raw. It was reported that they met with then head of talent relations, John Laranitis. And WWE released an official statement at the time, claiming that they walked into his office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk and walked out. Now that was the company. Statement that was released at the time, of course, there's been subsequent reporting from multiple outlets that have given varying accounts on that in regards to how the creative they were the women's tag team champions at the time. And uh, now recent reports in recent weeks suggest that Sasha Banks or whatever name she'll be wrestling under in the future uh, is effectively done in WWE. And in 2023, we'll be seeing her at the very least in New Japan Pro Wrestling which is remarkable, Eric, given the star power and stature of someone like Sasha Banks, who has crossed over into entertainment. She was a big part of the Mandalorian, the Star Wars franchise. Why is this so newsworthy and important to the industry, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think it's important because to me, it's an example. Now, it's an outlier. This doesn't happen every day or every week or every month, or it may only happen every once, once every couple of years. But I think it goes on to prove that the power of WWE, when you become quote unquote, a star, now what is a star? They refer, WWE refers to everybody as a superstar, right?
2: Looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. It,
1: what is a star? You know, Are you a star or superstar just because you're on the roster and you get a check every two weeks? Or are you a star because you are consistently booked in so top two or three matches on almost every pay-per-view or the majority of pay-per-views throughout a year? And I think once you fall into that category of, of being in the top two or three matches of the majority of pay-per-views every year, and you, you, you have that position consistently. I think that makes you a superstar. It also makes you rich. But I think because WWE has become such a powerhouse, it enables people like Sasha Banks to jump over, and while perhaps not making as much money as she made in WWE, she's also not on the road, you know, 200 days a year. And, and living in that grind, you, you have more autonomy. So I, I think not, not that, you know, WWE will ever be a stepping stone, really, because you can't get to the top unless you're really committed to, to the industry and to the art. But it doesn't mean you're dependent upon it either. And Sasha Banks is proving that within the professional wrestling industry. Now, I find it interesting. I mean, very interesting because I don't really know anything about New Japan's business any longer. My association and affiliation with New Japan Pro Wrestling was a long time ago. And there's all different people involved now. And I don't know any of them really. Um, But from the outside looking in, it doesn't appear as though New Japan Pro Wrestling is in a position to stroke... Massive checks, the types of checks that someone like Sasha Banks is used to. But if she can go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, keep her wrestling equity high as she she can and she will because it'll get a lot of news. It'll get a lot of traction while she's also pursuing her outside of wrestling projects within the entertainment industry. I think it just goes to show that you don't have to. WWE isn't the only option but you do have to reach a very high level in order to make it work for you. And this is totally unrelated. Okay. I almost feel a little guilty about bringing it up because I don't want to take away from what Sasha Banks is doing, but look at Mandy Rose. She, she, she gets fired for suggestive or some perhaps even more than suggestive, uh, what was an OnlyFans count? She has the,
0: the equivalent to an the only. equivalent
1: of an OnlyFans count. And I read this morning about 20 minutes before, you know, coming here to do this, that since she got terminated, she's made a half a million dollars. What was that? 10 days ago? Not even. And she's got a half a million bucks in the bank in less than a week. And she's pro- projected to make a million dollars before Christmas. So yeah, having a pretty big footprint in the WWE can matter.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. And well, also think of it too, this way, Eric, without the restrictions of a WWE contract, if you are a big enough name, like a Mercedes, Renato, Sasha Banks, that allows you to do different conventions that aren't wrestling related, that you can get a right. big day-day from without having to give a cut of that elsewhere. And if she can cross over successfully more into entertainment, you're going to be booked week in and week out at these gigantic events. And you'll be getting more acting opportunities, which is clearly something that she wants to do. And, you know, someone we're not even talking about really here is Naomi Trinity who is married to one of the Usos and she's a great talent in her own right as well. And I'm very curious to see where she goes because it is very much, uh, I'm going to bet on myself kind of move. And Mm -hmm. if we see people successfully betting on themselves outside of the parameters of WWE, it opens up the industry in my opinion, in a very healthy way because it shows you don't have to do things one way to get famous or do well or make money. So, if it works out well for either of them, I think that is a very healthy thing for the industry. Could you argue the manner in which it happened was unhealthy? Perhaps for a variety of reasons. But I do think at the end of the day, this is something that can be turned into a very positive situation.
1: I agree. It'll be fun to watch it play out.
0: So, that is your number five. Your number four is something that you and I, when this show was strictly behind the ad free shows paywall, we talked a lot about. But for those who maybe didn't get a chance to listen to those episodes, please enlighten us, Eric. What is your number four?
1: Number four is big. And this is one of... Number four, even though it's number four and not number one, I think number four has the potential of having a much more profound impact on the future of the wrestling industry than perhaps any of the other ones. It has to be... Warner Brothers, Discovery, David Zaslov. And as we speak, it's unfolding. It's it's happening as we speak. We don't know how this is going to end yet. Now, full disclosure, um, up until very recently, like within the last week or so, uh, my daughter, Montana, worked for a company called Shed Media. Shed Media was owned by Warner Television, or still is. Technically, my daughter, I think she's got, I don't even know how long she's been there. Six, seven, eight years. Uh, incidentally, or coincidentally, for people that didn't know that, my daughter was really the person, particularly in the very beginning, that was responsible for getting the Rhodes to the Top reality oh. show with Cody Rhodes and Brandy on television. There you go. She, she developed that project, and it was a shed media project. And Shed Media is, I mean, it still technically exists, but everybody, almost everybody in, on my daughter's team, including her, um, got laid off.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. That's tough. And, you know, she, well,
1: she's fine. Trust me, she's fine. She's very, very talented. She's already talking to some major studios and things like that. So she's going to be fine. But a lot of people in that Warner Discovery world are not so fine. There's a lot of key executives losing their positions. Thousands of people have been laid off. And how does that affect the wrestling industry? Well, obviously AEW is a part of the Warner discovery network and we all indications are, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to say this right off the bat. So nobody reads anything into what I'm about to say. I don't have any inside information. None. None. Zero, nada. I I think AEW is going to be fine on on Warner Discovery. And there's a couple reasons for that. One of them, and I don't even know if this is true. I, I mean, I read it. I read it quickly. I didn't save it so I could, you know, dig into it further. But I read recently that TBS is developing. What I read was... Have you ever seen that professional slap competition?
0: Yeah. So uh, it's Dana White's promotion. There's all right, so it is Dana White. Yep.
1: Now, if TBS is going, Hey, <clears throat> you know, we've got this wrestling show that's doing pretty well, but we need to build up some programming around it. That's a really good sign. When a network builds things around you, you become the temple and they build things around you to help support the temple. That's a very good sign to me that the future for AEW, at least as far as having a home, Mm -hmm. is is fairly secure. Now, will they see the kind of increase in license fees and things that so many people speculate about? I think that remains to be seen. I'm not in that world, so I don't even want to comment on it. We won't know until we know. But the fact that TBS is looking at ways to build content around AEW to me is a good indicator. All that being said... they could change their mind tomorrow. Good. Uh, you, you don't know because it's volatile, right? You've got new people coming in. You've got departments being merged. You've got analysis. You've got research. It's not like David Zasoff walked in and said, okay, we're going to do these 10 things. Let's go. You know, this is this is going to be an emerging, evolving situation for the next year or two years. And where does AEW ultimately fall in at? We won't know till we know. My gut tells me it's going to be
0: okay. There's a few moving pieces within it. You also add that this is something we talked about a lot with our first guest too, McPandit, the different types of programming that Warner Bros. Discovery wants to pivot to, the cheaper programming that is more reality-based and not as much quote unquote scripted programming that not, not, here's the
1: deal here's what here's what how that works you don't they don't want union shows they, when you pay when you're paying union writers that means you're paying union directors that means you're playing you're paying sag and after the the performers union the talent unions all of a sudden your show starts getting wildly expensive and you can circumvent not all of that but you can circumvent a lot of that with unscripted programming The key is to find unscripted programming that resonates for more than a season or two.
0: Yeah, and it's guaranteed 52 weeks a year, which is a big help. We know that right now there's an AW reality show in production as well, which will supplement Dynamite and supplement Rampage, which is easy programming to produce in-house. I think the future, Eric, of whatever Warner Brothers Discovery's streaming service looks like, will potentially have a play in maybe what AW programming looks like down the line as well. We're not really sure yet exactly what that streaming is because we know they're going to consolidate Discovery Plus and HBO Max in some sort of way. They have said as much. We just don't know what that is going to look like. We did find out in the past couple weeks here that uh, Ring of Honor is not going to be headed to a warner media owned streaming service it's going to be oh, what a shocker service. what a
1: shocker i can't believe that
0: but that was something we discussed as as maybe would that be something they'd have interest in they they evidently do not at this time so it is fascinating to wonder where all that goes and something i want to tee you up on off of that uh this was just uh john orrin who who is a, a very very good uh sports media reporter uh was kind of speculating on his big predictions for the next calendar year. And he entertained the idea that WWE might move all of its programming to NBC Universal and that NBC Universal would then try to leverage that maybe even into a potential sale with WWE. Who knows, maybe if Fox really enjoyed the wrestling content, maybe they get in on that and they see AEW as a much cheaper alternative to air on one of its networks like FS1. There's a lot of moving pieces there with the WarnerMedia Discovery stuff.
1: Yeah, and uh, our producer, Steve Kaufman, also pointed out here, and this is something that I hadn't heard or or read, but um, apparently uh, WGA is considering or, or will strike in 2023. Now I've lived through a writer strike back when I was launching, um, our own production company and it was a heyday. Was that in
0: 2008?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, whatever it was, I don't remember. There, There was actually, I think there might've been two of them, but, um, one was longer, one was shorter if I recall, but I do remember when there's a prolonged writer's strike um, networks have to; they still have to program their content. They still have to program their networks, and it could be a huge boom for people in the non-scripted business. and And Steve Kaufman pointed it out, and I agree with him. It's, that's a that can change everything. Whatever plans exist today may radically change if there's a prolonged writer's strike, because that shuts down the pipeline for a long
0: time. Is there anything else you want to add on that element of the conversation, Eric? No, I think we covered it. Well, you mentioned a boom. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends download June's journey now on your android or ios device or play on pc through facebook games i know that this past week my brother-in-law and my sister had quite a boom in how they were eating this holiday season because i and this is this is a shoot brother i tapped into jimmy's famous seafood.com i used the promo code wrestlebiz and they ate good miss <laughs> eric boy howdy did they because by heading to jimmy'sfamousseafood.com and using that promo code WrestleBiz, you'll get free two day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. We're talking Maryland crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, desserts, gluten-free items. They've got packages that are great for the holidays, even for the New Year's. That's about to come around. You want to drink some champagne and eat good, some surf and turf. Jimmy's Famous Seafood has got you covered. The world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes. Two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Or maybe even the tailgate bundle with two pounds of wings... Full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, and crab cake mix. You can even create your own package. Eric, you're eating like a king in 2023 with Jimmy's famous seafood. Are you not?
1: I'm telling you, if you, if you've tried crab cakes and you've always, like me, up until I had Jimmy's crab cakes, I'd you know I'd get excited about having crab cakes and then I'd order one at a really nice restaurant known for its seafood, and I was like, yeah. Eh, nah, not so much. And then I went to Jimmy's um, for a live show a couple of years ago. It was the first time I went to Jimmy's. And I had crab cake from Jimmy's. It was a life-altering <laughs> experience. Love that. And now, every holiday, I order from Jimmy's, and people that we entertain and bring over are just blown away with the quality of Jimmy's crab cakes it's it's an unbelievable product and the cool thing i like about it is not only i mean i would order from them anyway just because of the quality of the food it's exceptional and i eat a lot and i spend a lot of money on eating i like to eat really high quality food and jimmy seafood is better than anything i've ever had anywhere in the in the world outside of a really good sushi bar in japan but um man When I have people over, they're just blown away by the quality. But the cool part is, is Jimmy's is becoming the Ribera Steakhouse of of the United States. You know, Ribera is like that place that everybody that goes over to Japan for decades now have, have gone over and to pay homage to all those that came before them. And it was part of the whole wrestling in Japan experience. And Jimmy's famous seafood is becoming the American counterpart bear's Steakhouse. So and they do a lot of great things in their community too. And because I subscribe, I follow them on social media and I see some of the great things that they're doing in the community and and supporting, you know, the Ravens and all that. It's just can't say enough good things about them, man cool
0: people and they legit love pro wrestling which is very cool too and they love strictly business that's why you use that promo code wrestlebiz at jimmy's famous get free shipping on orders 100 by the way steve
1: could you pull that other graphic back up with a picture of steve and i standing together S- steve and you steve and, oh, and- I'm sorry. john and i john and i look at that our j- our suits
0: even match they do they do. Look at, we got
1: that cranberry Hollywood or not Hollywood holiday vibe going on. Oh, yeah, it's just awesome.
0: I told you, I had some friends who back in the day used to call me the Ken doll in your honor. So, uh, I, I see it there. I see it's the hair, it's it's all put that. it out there in
1: the universe and it became a thing. See <laughs> how that did, works?
0: It did. Promo- My life is right. <laughs> <laughs> Promo code Wrestle Guys, Jimmy's Famous Seafood.com. Perfect way to ring in the new year. Uh, really outstanding stuff from them. And we thank them for supporting us here on strictly business with Eric Bischoff. All right, Eric, let's move to a couple of guys who might've been feeling a little crabby themselves with our number <laughs> three biggest story of the year. What do we got?
1: Wait for it. Wait for it. it has to be CM and that train wreck with the elite and the, 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 they call it a press comp, whatever that is, that little show that they do. It's it was such a disaster. And I think it has had an interesting impact on, on AEW. I don't, it wasn't devastating and I'm not surprised it wasn't devastating, but it certainly has changed some things in, in AEW. And hopefully, hopefully Tony Khan has learned a lot from that situation and hopefully it will inform him <clears throat> on policy and management issues, just overall management issues. I, I hope it I hope that Tony did learn from from this experience. Because it certainly so, made him look
0: bad. The immediate fallout of it is reportedly CM Punk uh, trying to work on an exit strategy with AEW on how his run would come to an end. There, the Elite have since returned to WW or to AW Television rather uh, after a lengthy suspension.
1: How, how was that? How was that? Uh, what kind of impact did that have on the ratings? I'm, and I know you asked that honestly. I've not been following. So, when the Elite comes back after all that controversy. What kind of impact did it have on their viewership?
0: Oh, they came back initially. They came back on a pay-per-view, which okay. did, did the buy rate they pretty much expected to for full gear. And uh, on TV, you know, th- their ratings, they've, they've been fluctuating a little bit. You know, we're in that holiday season. It's, it's all make excuses. I'm not, I'm what not, making, the numbers, excuses. <laughs> not making excuses. Not making excuses. Uh, I have no incentive to make excuses for anybody. Um, but I think, ultimately they're doing this. I'm not sure if you've even been following this. They're doing a best of seven series right now with the elite and the Lucha brothers and death triangle rather. Uh, so right now our producer, Steve Kaufman has pulled up uh, some of the numbers since full gear there. You're seeing 930,000, 818,000. They had a dip immediately after, but I do think they came back up since then. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, the December 14th edition did 950,000. So back up towards that million number. So, all things considered, Eric, largely inconsequential either way.
1: Inconsequential is a good word. Good word. Well, look, I I, I don't want to be ripping it apart. I I haven't watched it, Mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily a, a proponent of blaming a holiday season on numbers. Uh, it, it certainly when, if you've got a wrestling show that airs on Christmas Eve or Christmas day, uh, or even the day after, or the same issue for Thanksgiving, obviously that's going to affect your numbers because people's patterns change. You know, everybody's visiting and celebrating and traveling whatnot, but typically this time of year can be a very good year for wrestling. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, you know, back in the day, Christmas, you know, Vern Gagne used to run shows on Christmas and Thanksgiving, and they were some of the biggest events of the year. And I think a lot of other regional promoters would yeah. probably, you know, remember doing the same thing or fans in those markets. Um, things have definitely changed, and people aren't running live events as much uh, uh, on Christmas but or Thanksgiving. But, uh, you know, I find it those numbers are interesting. Uh, they, they really are. And you would think that after all of that controversy they would have seen more than an uptick. They still aren't really backed. You know, the last episode drew nine hundred fifty thousand viewers as we record this. It's not a great number. It just really isn't, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what AEW does to improve those numbers. And I know that there's other, you know, matrix to to consider. You know, when you're looking at the business overall, television ratings, unfortunately, are just the kind of real time. Um, data that we get every week Mm -hmm. that we can follow and trend. It's hard to, you know, with, especially with a privately held company like AEW, you know, pay-per-view revenue against expenses. We don't know what those are. We don't know how much is being spent to generate the revenue that some of those pay-per-views are, are producing. And that's not to suggest that they're not profitable. I'm sure they are. The degree to which is the thing that we don't know. So, you can only go by the things you do know, and that's attendance at events, and television ratings. And I'll say this: I said this a year ago. Same is true today. AEW is flat, and until they address lack of growth, and hopefully now that they've gotten the CM Punk and Elite kind of mess out of the way, and hopefully there's a plan going forward and some good strategic moves, you know, coming up in 2023, uh, we'll see. If not. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch
0: full gear did where the elite came back, did another million dollar gate for AW, which they did multiple this year, which again, for a company that's,
1: so let me ask you that was elite advertised for that. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, good. It was advertised as their big return match. And so how, how, and I get that.
1: And I, I'm really, this is me being curious, not me trying to make a statement, but What would they have done if Elite wasn't coming back? Would they still have done a million dollars?
0: It's a worthwhile question to ask. And and we don't know the
1: answer to it, right? There's no way to answer that.
0: We know CM Punk, huge financial investment for Tony Khan. He did good numbers in terms of pay-per-view buys. They did some of their highest with him headlining. They did good live gates with him. The viewership did not translate with Dynamite. People did not stick around. They did not get over that hump and... Tread into 1.4, 1.5 million. It didn't happen. The investment in him is now wiped out by this incident. Is that a correlation with this being on your top five list for those reasons specifically? No, I
1: think I, I, I think the reason it's on the top five of my list is because of the fallout from the press conference. I mean, I think that had a real adverse impact on the perception of the AEW brand, like a dramatic impact. Agreed. I think AEW lost a phenomenal amount of goodwill Yep. as a result. And that lack of goodwill is, if anything else matters, that lack of goodwill is probably going to have a significant impact on your business. A guy by the name of Gary Considine, I tell the story all the time but it had a big impact on me, which is why I tell the story all the time. Gary Consonite was the executive producer at NBC for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He and I became friends as a result of my experience there, and we've maintained that relationship ever since. Very smart guy. Knows a lot about the television industry. He's been in it all of his life at a very, very high level. And he told me one time, once the audience votes with their remote, because that's how they vote, once they go eh not digging it and change the channel and start developing a connection to other content some other thing they find to be their favorite thing on wednesday nights or whatever night once the audience votes with their remote it's really hard if not impossible to get them back and i remember that it was and he said that to me i think in 1997 or 98 it was just really yeah you know, it was profound it stuck with me and i've thought a lot about that ever since and i think gary's point applies here because not only did aew lose goodwill with cm punk's fan base and admittedly he had a big fan base you can talk about why but it doesn't matter he had them he brought them to the show but because that was such an unmitigated disaster at every level, his departure, Punk's departure, and the elite, I think those fans, who were they're going to be more loyal to the talent than they are to the company. That's just the nature of things. Um, I think that big fan base that CM Punk brought with him probably picked up their remote and said, well, this is stupid. This doesn't work for me. And they moved on, and I think the numbers reflect that. The downturn in ratings reflect that. I'm, I'm so curious, though why the live events I know here's another thing AEW doesn't do 300 shows a year or 200 shows a year they don't do a lot of non-televised live events like WWE they've
0: they've done one they've done one okay Mm -hmm.
1: how'd that turn out by
0: the way do you know it was it was was just a daily's place Jacksonville show okay so daily that did
1: it happen during you know it happened
0: uh it happened during Wrestlemania weekend in 2021.
1: Okay. It's not really a fair I mean, no, it's an outlier.
0: Total outlier.
1: You've got, you've got to have a dozen or two dozen under your belt to start seeing any kind of a pattern. Um, but I don't know, man. I just think it's going to, I think it had a much bigger impact on the business of AEW's business more because of the loss of goodwill and frustration and just, you know, what appears to be kind of creative chaos behind the scenes Um, I think losing that goodwill will have a a more profound impact on AEW's business going forward than just about anything other than discovery and, and Zaslaw.
0: Well, and it piggybacked off of another major AEW story. That is our number two. And what is that Eric Bischoff? Ooh, number two
1: has to be Cody Rose. Here's a guy Who is at at the very least a significant part of the whole effort to create an AEW. And within a relatively short period of time goes back to the company in WWE that apparently had a fair amount of heat with when he left. He was pretty vocal about it, smashing up Triple H's throne on AEW TV and all that went into that. Uh, But I think, you know, given Cody's role within AEW and the potential that that position held for him um, to make the decision to walk away from it and go back to that devil, you know, was a pretty interesting decision. And I mean, it had obviously a great impact for WWE and for Cody Rhodes. And I think it's just one more thing that can go into that, you know, lack of or loss of goodwill category that AEW is going to worry about. So it was kind of like a double whammy. Not only did it really affect WWE in a positive way, uh, it, it, it created a pretty negative perception of AEW as a whole and downstream. I think they probably lost some, lost some goodwill as a result. It's been a tough year in that respect for AEW. I and good things have happened, don't get me wrong, and I think good things are going to continue to happen for AEW, as I talked about, but this year's been a pretty high-profile, messed-up
0: year for AEW. I do think there is some necessary context with Cody in terms of AEW, too. Listen, I, I think it ultimately worked out best for all parties at the end of the day, Agreed. As, far as Cody is Cody's concerned. There is some context where I think Cody had gotten a little stale in his presentation in AEW. I think when he booked himself into a corner where he said he could never win the world championship and he wanted to honor his word and not do that and go against that. Well, you lost a lot of what you can do with Cody as a character there in the crowd. You don't think
1: there's a way to creatively back your way out of that?
0: If you go against your word and he's, I mean, you know, Cody personally, you know the kind of integrity that he carries as, as a human being. I think that stuff as a principle really means a lot to him. Mm -hmm. And again, just from people I've spoken to who know him extremely well. And I think that's part of it, but uh, I, I think it's worth saying that because the crowds were turning against him. His numbers weren't drawing as much as they used to on AW television. So, he becomes the first major star to make the jump. And I think that was the question, Eric, for so long. It was, who's going to be the first person to make the jump from AEW to WWE? And I think a lot of people figured it would maybe be a mid-card person who wanted an opportunity to maybe stretch their wings that they weren't getting in AEW. But this was the guy who started it. AEW does not happen without Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, it wasn't Tony Khan doing the media calls when AEW launched Eric Bischoff. It was Cody Rhodes doing them. He had the reality show that your daughter worked on. He was the face of the franchise, and he makes the jump to WWE where he was dressed up as Stardust for years with face paint, and he makes a surprise return at WrestleMania, the show of shows. And not only does he make the return there, but he gets to keep his entire presentation that he had in AEW and on the indies that made him a star. I think that is just as significant as him making the jump that he was able to bring the American nightmare property and everything over showing that maybe WWE is willing to bend the rules a little bit. If they see that someone can be a big time star.
1: That is a really good point, John. And I didn't really think about that um, in this context of, it being a top story, but you're absolutely right. That does represent a significant change in the philosophy that we've all come to understand is the WWE branding philosophy, which is your character didn't exist before you got here, dude. Right. You're, you're going to go through the WWE washing machine. You're going to go in one thing and you're going to come out something else. And that's just the way we do it, pal. Um, and again, let's point out Cody left, you know, while Vince was still there, which I think makes it even more significant. I think today I wouldn't be as shocked at the point that you just made. And I actually really, really good point. I wouldn't have been as surprised at it uh, because I think Paul Levesque is more progressive in that respect and open-minded. But the fact that Vince acknowledged the American nightmare and let Cody bring that brand to WrestleMania. I agree with you, man. And I, yeah, this, this, this is a number two story that should have been maybe a little closer call for number one, because it is
0: significant. And on top of that too, it's one of the rare times where I think Vince McMahon probably had to swallow his pride a little bit and say, I was wrong on you. You proved me wrong. I, you know what? I'm going to say
1: this, and I know I sound like a Vince McMahon defender, and I'm not. I mean, he, he, did, no, some, go ahead. he did some messed up stuff, right? And, and he's paying the price for that now. His his legacy will be what his legacy is as a result of some of the things that we all know he's been in, involved with. And I'm, I'm not happy about that. I feel bad for him about that, but he did it. That being said, my impression, I don't think Vince swallowed his pride at all, okay. That I don't think that's the way Vince is really built. I you think, think he was Vince, happy to be proven wrong. Yes, I think my impression one of them because he's a complex cat of Vince's he's hoping somebody like Cody Rhodes comes along and proves him wrong. I think that's why they were willing to pay Cody what they paid him to come back. Cody left there in one financial category and came back in an entirely different one. And I think the reason is that Cody proved he was right. And I think Vince McMahon is the type of person that will stick to his guns, do things his way until somebody shows him a better way to do it. And once that happens, he embraces it as if it was his own and his ego is not bruised at all. And, That's my
0: impression. One element that I want to tack on to this before we move on to our number one, two. I wonder now what happens to the remaining Cody Rhodes guys that are in AEW once their contracts come up. Who are they? Well, we know MJF is one of them. And that's a pretty damn notable one. Uh, There there are a few other. I, I believe Wardlow was somebody that was Cody Rhodes, like, like Cody Rhodes essentially found him and brought him in. Um, Ethan Page, somebody who's been featured pretty prominently on TV recently. Ricky Starks, somebody as well. Guys that Cody was instrumental in bringing to AW. I- I'm very curious. When was the last
1: time we saw Ethan Page on TV?
0: Uh, just this past week.
1: Oh, he was. Okay. He- what is Scorpio Sky following? Scorpio
0: Sky, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. And I see a Cody pretty, Rhodes guy. I'm pretty sure those SCU types were very much part of that Cody come in with him. But they're also SCU are also young bucks people, too. So cool. I just I think it's fascinating. The those and then plus we know the Nightmare Factory has those working relationships with AEW too. And Dustin, for example, is going into his last year in wrestling. So I, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, our producer Steve says that uh, Scorpio Sky hasn't been on AWTV since July 6th, 2022. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. Just something to think about. And it, there could be nothing there. All right. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Listen, our number one shouldn't be too hard to figure out at this point. But Eric, lay it on us.
1: Absolutely. Without question. The biggest news story Probably, I think, in the last 20 years, if, if not longer, really, uh, is Vince McMahon stepping down and resigning as a result of the allegations and publicity surrounding them. Um, wow. Uh, it just...
0: Hell froze over.
1: I, 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 never, I never really believed I would live to see the day when Vince McMahon would step down. I really thought he would outlive me. There were, I, in my opinion, there was going to be cockroaches, stale donuts, and Vince McMahon long after everything else vanishes on this earth. I, and, and Vince would be find, him way, find a way to be sitting behind a desk trying to run a wrestling company. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day when he would step down. Obviously, under the, the circumstances, really, he had no choice. Well, he did, but he made the right one as opposed to trying to fight it out, which we've heard a lot about. I don't even know if it's true. I I have a hard time believing it. But um, nonetheless, significant impact. And here's what I find the most fascinating and why I really think this is the number one story, maybe the last two or three decades, is because WWE is a publicly held company and a big one, close to six... Billion with a B dollars. That's a big company (laughs) in any category. But for such a long time, whenever the WWE stock prices were discussed in public and the quarterly calls or whatever the, whatever, on any of the financial calls that are done or articles that are written, one of the biggest concerns has been what happens when Vince McMahon leaves? Because for decades now, everybody has bought into and, and should have bought into the fact that Vince McMahon is the Wizard of Oz. He's the guy behind the curtain making all this stuff happen. His unique take and talents and experience and knowledge of the wrestling industry and the audience it represents was what people were investing in. And they were happy to invest in in WWE and in Vince McMahon's leadership because he kept proving that he was right quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, returning dividends consistently, making his investors happy consistently, defying the economy in some respects. Um, Everybody was happy to bet on Vince. But the speculation on all of those calls and on all of those articles, a lot of them at least, was what happens when Vince leaves the implication being that oh man the roof could cave in this wouldn't be the same business without vince mcmahon as we're investing in now so we're a little little concerned about that and what did vince prove vince proved that not only was he able to build this massive media conglomerate build a public company up to a to a valuation of between five and six billion dollars um while he was doing that, he also put together an amazing team of people that not only proved to be able to handle WWE's business without Vince, but so far have been doing so in a way that suggests WWE's stronger today than it was before Vince left. And to, to build that kind of a team around you, corporately speaking, to bring the assets, the blue chip talent that Vince brought into WWE at all levels, the legal department, the accounting department, the marketing department, Nick Khan certainly, to to build your company up, your senior management team up in such a way that if you get hit by a bus, the company doesn't miss a beat. That's a talented individual and It's amazing to see what the stock has done. I read the other day, it's up like around 80 bucks, 82 bucks. It's amazing. You know, it wasn't long ago. I was sitting in Huntsville with Conrad. Was it two years ago? Stock went down to about 34 bucks.
0: It's like, holy crap. Whatever it was
1: when the the two co-presidents left.
0: Right. Well, what's fascinating about everything you just said, there's a couple elements. Number one, when Vince left, the shareholders were warned hey, expect there to be negative financial implications. Right. They were outright told that in the readings reports. That did not happen, as you said, and you can see on this graph clearly. Uh, it is up and pretty consistently up, generally speaking. But on, on top of that, to piggyback off what you said about the team being built, we saw a lot of changes happen once Vince left. Keep in mind, this is so buried In this story, because of how fast things changed this year, Eric, Stephanie resigned earlier this year only to come back as the chairwoman. And Paul Levesque was reinstated to the position that he had, plus given uh, control of creative. And now we see people like William Regal coming in and reportedly under a vice president title. So, yes, there was the foundation there. But we have seen some shuffling at the top where now instead of one person unilaterally in charge like Vince was, it's kind of this three headed monster with Nick Khan, Stephanie and McMahon and Paul Levesque.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't shock me as much. I mean, I, I think the whole, you know, the, uh, Stephanie resigning, you know, to go home, that was a weird one to me. I did not. And I still don't understand that. And we, we probably never will. We'll probably never will learn what was really behind that decision. It could have been any number. It could, could have been very personal because of the health issues that Paul went through uh, with his heart. And maybe it that was a serious enough situation that both Paul and Stephanie said, okay, you know, we kids. You know, they're growing. They're getting older. You know, we're, they're going to be going off to college. Who knows? It could have been a family decision. We'll never, ever know. Um, but it did surprise me. It surprised me that basically Paul Levesque was let go. You know, he, was, he wasn't showing up to work every day. That didn't surprise me as much because from what I've read, I, I don't know, and I haven't talked to Paul, but it sounded like even listening to Paul talk about it in an interview, that was very—that was, that was close to life and death. And those kind of moments can have an impact on people, obviously. What really surprised me is that they came back. Not Stephanie so much. Stephanie coming back did not surprise me at all. Paul coming back did. Not because I didn't think he wanted the job or he was capable, but I I was a little concerned that his health issues may prevent him from doing that because he's in a high-stress job. You're not going to be taking any bumps, but you don't have to take bumps to put stress on your heart. And, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about his background or whatever. Here's what I do know. I know what I heard Paul Levesque say in an interview and and the seriousness of that condition and i know how stressful that job is it's that that surprised me a little bit but and on the other hand who else would it be right you know paul Levesque has been under the vince mcmahon learning tree and you can be as critical as you want to be about vince mcmahon you can pick apart his personal issues if you choose to do that i just look at the whole picture and i you know i I worked with vince pretty closely for a very brief moment in time but even in that brief moment in time i was able. because of the proximity that I had, and uh, able to see that, yeah, you may not agree with the way Vince does things, but he, he has proven himself over the decades to know what the hell he's doing. And Paul Levesque has been under that learning tree for a long time. And it, not only has he been under the learning tree and been able to take the best of what Vince McMahon has been able to teach him over the years, but he also sat through some of the stupid stuff that Vince did. <laughs> And it gives you the opportunity to go, you know, I'm going to take all these good things that I got from Vince. I'm going to throw this garbage out because this garbage is stinking up the room. And who other than Paul has been in a position yeah. to do that, right? You could have put Bruce Prichard in that position. Yeah. Um. But I, I I, think because it is a family business, even though it's a publicly held company, it's been a family business since day one. Uh. It, it made more sense for Paul. I was just surprised that he took the spot.
0: And it's worth noting too, Shawn Michaels is in charge of developmental now, which is a pretty significant one in and of itself, given his track record. Yeah, that's a, yeah but I mean, Paul,
1: look, Paul and and Sean have been friends forever. Shawn Michaels may have been an issue and had personal. I mean, there was a point in time when I lost all respect for Shawn Michaels. Um, but now I, you know, this is a whole lot of people are respect more than Sean. He's overcome a lot of his other issues. He's a solid human being. He's as knowledgeable as anybody that I've met when it comes to what goes on inside of a ring and storytelling. Um, I think that's a natural. Yeah. And I think that at this point in time, you know, there's a lot of, and I, I don't remember where we talked about this or what I talked about it last could have been on 83 weeks, but it, Just because somebody is really good at something, like Shawn Michaels as a performer, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to equate to a good teacher, Mm -hmm. good instructor.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. Conversely, there's a lot of people that may not have ever reached that Shawn Michaels status, maybe not even ever close, but for whatever reason, they're really good teachers especially when it comes to fundamentals and basics and psychology and things like that. Sean is the rare exception that was at the highest of levels as a performer. But apparently I haven't watched him, but apparently loves to teach Mm -hmm. and therefore will be a great teacher. So he, Sean is one of those rare people. Steve Regal's in the same boat to me. Um, Although Steve, you know, Regal never reached the level of success as a talent that Sean Michaels did. Regal's a great teacher. He is not a teacher. He is a mentor. And I encourage anybody that has the opportunity to sit under that tree to cherish it and spend as much time under that tree as you can. Mm-hmm.
0: Sean Michaels is a great representative for the company too. I've been on those media calls with him. He's so real. He's a straight shooter. Doesn't give the corporate speak. He's very honest in how he discusses stuff. I really think he's, and I've had some conversations with people in WWE about that, and they are head over heels, head over heels with the job that he's been doing there. And they should be too. So, By by the way,
1: before we go, Steve Kaufman's pointing this out. You can go to youtube.com forward slash at villain. Yes. To get a lot of that. Get a
0: lot of access
1: underneath that tree. So The,
0: the Gentleman Villain podcast that is unfortunately coming to an end with him heading back to WWE, but he did give a lot of knowledge. Before we wrap, Eric, I want to look ahead here real quick at 2023 as we wrap 2022. I want a bold prediction from you for both WWE and AEW. And if not a bold prediction, at least something that you're looking to see from either company in the next year. And I'll remind you that the TV rights deals are coming up as well and will probably be negotiated this coming spring.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can't project anything, John. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just not tuned in to either company's strategy strategies or plans um, to, to do any kind of a prediction. I think the most important things that are going to happen for each company in 2023 is obviously TV rights negotiations I think the conversation about a WWE acquisition, which has been in the ether now for I don't know two years, three years, pretty consistently. I think it'll stay there, um, but I, but I think the television negotiations this year will probably re- probably reveal more about where each company is going to go. I don't predict AEW is going to see a significant bump in their rights fees. I know a lot of people. You know, the, the, the Brandon Thurston's of the world and the Nomics and, you know, everybody's been talking for so long about, you know, AEW is going to triple their, their rights fees, you know, because look what's going on with sports rights. And I think that's a, such a false equivalent. Um, look, wrestling's live, sports is live. That's the beginning and end of their, their, their connectivity in that regard. Um, I think AEW will get renewed. I don't think it'll be for a significant. I hope they do. I'm not cheering them out, cheering them down, but I don't think it's going to be a significant uh, rights fee issue. But I do think they will remain a part of TBS. Um, WWE man, that's up in the air. We won't know until the spring, and even then, the negotiations will start in the spring. When do they think they'll be done? September.
0: Yeah, probably around October. Yeah probably around the fall,
1: you know, it, cause it's a negotiation. Guess what happens in negotiations? When people start negotiating, then it turns into a whole different thing. Now it's kind of like a game of chicken, right? i so who's okay. going to blink
0: first. So I'll ask for this last bold prediction. And we'll wrap end of 2023. And we can look back on this a year from now is WWE still owned by the McMahon family. Yes. Okay. I agree with you for the record. Yeah. But yeah, Okay. Bold predictions from Eric Bischoff on Strictly Business. This has been a great episode, Eric. I appreciate your insight. I I thought you were pretty much dead on on just about everything you said. Uh, This has been a hell of a year, man, and and I'm grateful. It It is really so meaningful to me to get to do this show with you. A young John Alba would be slapping himself silly over the prospect of getting to do a podcast every single week. With Eric Bischoff. And just as you're grateful in your book, I'm grateful for that as well. And a happy new year to you, my friend.
1: Happy new year to you, John, Steve. I don't know if I'll chat with you uh, before Christmas, but if if I don't, have a great Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a great new year. Just enjoy the holiday season, wherever you are, whatever you celebrate. Um, it's a good time of year, man. Good time of year to hang with friends and family and be grateful for everything that we've all and a part of all year. And I, I look forward to 2023, John, working with you. I have really, really high hopes for strictly business. And my goal is to make this just as significant of a podcast as anybody else's on, uh, on the podcast heat network. So appreciate you, Steve Kaufman. Appreciate you, John Elbow, And, uh, appreciate everybody listening.
0: No doubt about it. That does it for us here on strictly business with Eric Bischoff in the year 2022. We'll see you all next time.
2: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PHG and Tylus and Callaway and no no. How many yards
1: do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay
2: me more? Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or
0: wherever you listen.